The following podcast is a proud member of the Blue Collar Roots Network. Find all the shows by visiting bluecollarroots.com. He may seem like a mild-mannered engineer until you install an HVAC system improperly. Then the whole turning green Hulk shirt ripping thing happens, and it's not pretty. Here's Bill Spone. Welcome back to another episode of the Building HVAC Science Podcast. Don't let fear hold you back. If you want something in life, go ask for it. These are just two of the many takeaways you'll get when you listen to this episode. Chris Hughes, who is now the HVAC Business Development Manager for the Energy Conservatory, or TEC, T-E-C, is a longtime HVAC mechanical contractor that is now tuned in to building performance. This is a technical area he was never aware of until the last couple of years. He continues to bring you along on his building performance learning journey through webinars and in-person training, acting as a sort of two-way translator between these two worlds. For example, 10 methods of airflow training, which is really contractor-oriented, but embodies some of the building performance principles. Chris details out his career path and some of the crucial decision points he encountered along the way, including the time he walked out of class and his exposure to the purity embodied in the Chamber of Truth. Chris is a great storyteller, and I'm pretty sure you will enjoy this. There's some links in the show notes if you want to get in touch with Chris. This episode was recorded in May of 2022. So let's listen in to the convo I had with Chris Hughes. Chris Hughes, good morning. Good morning, Bill. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing fine, man. I am living the dream. So tell me about that. What is the dream? What is the dream today, this week, right now, in May of 2022 for Chris Hughes? I think the dream is, I'll sum it up for you, having the free time to study something in great detail without being pushed, that's the dream. All right. Let's break that down a little bit. I like that. I like that a lot. So in your previous work, you've been pushed to get something done. And where does that push come from? Well, I guess we just need to go to the beginning, right? Yeah. First, introduce yourself. Not everybody's familiar with your golden tones. <laughs> Christopher Hughes, HVAC, bona fide technician, my entire life. It's all I've ever done, all I've ever known. My dad was a HVAC technician, my first teacher, learned everything from him in the beginning. And Started in the trade and say, I went to trade school in 03, graduated in 05, worked in the trade at the beginning of 03 while I was in trade school. Interesting factoid, when I was in trade school, those two and a half years, it cost me $2,500 with the books. (laughs) Yeah, wasn't that cheap? I'm not sure what it's up to today, but that was dirt cheap to go to trade school. So got into the trade, looked at my dad as an all-star. And he was in his own right. I wanted to kind of live that life. I envied how much he knew, how much he knew how to do. He could fix anything. If it was a car problem, we fixed it. If it was a plumbing problem, we fixed it. It was a jack of all trades. And I wanted to be a jack of all trades myself. So that's what led me to go down that road. And I became an HVAC technician. And my knowledge grew over the years. And I ended up, I would say... Probably about 10 to 15 years. I'm just throwing rough numbers out there. When I really came into my own in the trade and started 
not questioning my father, but this is when like VRV was starting to take off. And my dad hadn't seen that yet. That didn't exist in his era. And it was existing in mind. And airflow was becoming a hot topic because airflow with inverter technology is a different ballgame. Sensible heat ratio was talked about a lot more when you start playing with fan speeds. And I met an engineer, Leif Wismar, and we became like instant best friends. Like he was such a cool guy. And he's not like your typical engineer who's like behind the desk doing work from behind the desk. He was out in the field a lot. He loved to go on the jobs, even though he was limited in how much time he could do that when you could tell he just thoroughly enjoyed being in the field. So we did some jobs together. And a lot of times I didn't have to go to the jobs for the discovery work, but I did because I was learning from him. (laughs) I was his sidekick. And I'm like, what are you doing there? What are you doing there? I got to know. So that's when the airflow side of my knowledge really started to step up its game was from him. And that went on for a few years and I got kind of bored. (laughs) Run of the mill stuff. Business was getting big. We were hiring a lot. We had a lot of people on the payroll and every day was not so much in the field anymore. It was go to the office, management. It was the love of the trade, of being in the trade. It was falling to the wayside, I guess. Circling back, man, this is going to be one of those podcasts where you just tell all, right? (laughs) (laughs) Circling back, I think the best decision that we maybe could have made in our family business was bringing an independent business manager. Someone who could have handled management, handled HR, just someone who had CEO capability, experience. We just didn't. We did a good job, but I think a better job could have been done by somebody with a lot of experience. But when you're in the thick of it, you don't think about that. That's a lot of expense to pay somebody to come in and take on that role. And I think when you're doing it, you don't look at that role as valued at that expense. Until you get out and you look from the outside in and you go, wow, I really liked doing the work, not so much managing the business. You look back and say, could I have afforded, let's just say, more than six figures? Like, let's say, I don't even know what that title pays bill. Let's just say, let's say it's 150, 175,000 a year, which is a nice chunk of change. Would I have paid it to focus on the field more? Maybe became like an internal trainer for the company and grew more technicians inside of it and focused on the jobs and the training and let him run the day-to-day as far as bills, HR, other things. Yeah, probably would have been a good idea, but it is what it is. (laughs) But things are different now. Things are radically different now. (laughs) So like I said, my third teacher in life is Steve Rogers. I met Steve Rogers a few years ago, and he blew me away with knowledge. That guy's just, he's just smart. He is Captain America after all. He is Captain America. And I wanted that knowledge. And I'm that kind of person. I don't chase money. Like money's never been a motivating factor for me. I have to have it to live, but I don't value it. It's not all about the almighty dollar with me. I chase education. And when the education's going flat, I'm starting to get unhappy. And that's something I've noticed in my life. And I didn't notice until later on in life that that's my driving motivator. So would you call that discovery and curiosity 
when you feel like you've discovered everything you can in this area, you want to move to a new conceptual territory. That's exactly right. I've heard people say you become what you surround yourself with. And I'm not saying Hughes was a bad place. Hughes was a great place. We did some phenomenal work. I'd like to say I played a huge role in making sure we did some phenomenal work. We did some awesome VRV jobs and really creative stuff. But I was getting to a point there where I felt like I would really like somebody else to take the torch and drive me to a place that I didn't even know was obtainable. I was ready for that. And I knew that probably wasn't going to happen at Hughes, which is tough because at this point in life, I'm making really good money. <laughs> really like the world is my oyster. I have a company card and I go go buy whatever I want. If I want to go buy a new car, I just go get it. It was whatever. So when I met Steve and I met Bill Graber at the same time in person, and we had many talks at the symposium event and something clicked right there. And I was like, I got to be there. Like no ifs, ands, or buts. I have to be right there. That is stop number three for me on this train. And they didn't know that, <laughs> but I knew that. I had made the decision right there that I was like, no matter what it takes, that's where I'm going. Isn't that interesting though? That moment's going to stick with you forever. You can probably remember the surroundings, a lot of detail about it. I've had those moments too. Just a few, just a handful. So I'll tell you a fun story. You know, I'd rented the animal house, put everybody in it. And then we're talking about the HVAC symposium run by Brian Orr going into its fourth year in 2023. Just for people that aren't familiar with that, look it up on hvacrschool.com slash event if you want to learn more about that. Yep. And so we're at the event. And for the last two years, I have been contemplating. I could tell that I was getting stale. And I was like, ugh. And I had told my cousin, my brother, my dad, I told him, I said, look, I said, I'm not going to be here forever. I just know that. I can sense it. And I'm just being straight up with you guys. There's going to come a day that I'm going to make a move. And I just don't know when that day's coming, but be prepared because it will come. I was like, this is not where I'm going to die. They kind of blew it off like, oh, okay, whatever. And I'm like, they knew I was serious, but we didn't know when it was going to happen. But I knew that I wanted to get in on the education side of the trade. I knew I wanted to be there. And when I was at the symposium and when we were at the house, Steve Rogers dug out the dry erase board and my dad was on this trip. And I had met Steve. We had talked before this. And so I invited dad because I knew I like deep down. I knew I was going there. Steve. And Bill owned the company, but they didn't know I was going there. But I knew I was going there. And I wanted Dad to understand what I was giving up and why. And so when Dad came on that trip, and he wasn't going to go, and I begged him. I'm like, Dad, you got to go. That night, we stayed up with a round table of probably eight of us until like two in the morning. And Steve Rogers was just geeking out. And he was basically explaining static regain in a 90 and things. And my dad was just 100% in the moment stuck. He was eating it up like a sponge and asking questions like a kid in kindergarten. And you could tell Steve was just loving it. And they're just going at it. And dad's just like, he's having these moments of like, oh man. He's like, I never knew that. Right. If I only knew that back when. Yeah. He's like, oh man, when I was at Exxon, if I'd have just knew that's what that was. And these light bulbs are firing off. And you could tell dad's getting these 30 years of unanswered questions come into light. It was one of those moments you could tell he was lighting up. This is a vague memory, but I want to say I told dad that next night, I said, dad, I'm going to go work for Steve. <laughs> and Steve didn't know. <laughs> 
And my dad said, oh, yeah? He's like, y'all talked? I said, no, we haven't talked. I said, but I'm telling you right now, I said, I think they could use an HVAC technician. I'm like, the true flow is really cool. I said, I see a problem with the business model getting it off the ground without somebody help. I said, I think I could earn my way in by being an HVAC technician. I was like, and in return, I want that level of training like every day at a fingertips touch. And my dad literally said, yeah, I get it. Because he had got a taste of it the night before. He's like, I totally get it. And uh, the next day at the symposium, I was hanging around their booth and Bill Graber was in the back and nobody was demoing at that time. And I walked up to Bill and we were talking and we were talking about science and stuff. And by the way, Bill Graber likes to say, hey, I'm the marketing guy, but he's really sharp. Like that guy's a mechanical engineer and he's very sharp too. So just a quick pause. Bill and Steve's background come a lot from Emerson in fluid dynamics, fluid mechanics. Is that correct? Fluid flow and control. So a lot of deep research, problem solution, perhaps more on an industrial level, but still the physics is the same. Yeah. All right. Just want to, for the audience, I want to make sure they know who these two guys are, where they came from. They're heavy, heavy mathematicians. And I told Bill right there, I said, don't take this the wrong way or think I'm a weirdo, but I want to work for you guys. I said, I'm in. Like, y'all need an HVAC guy and I want to be that guy. (laughs) I said, and all I want in return is just to, I say, I want to hang out with Steve as much as I can and soak like a sponge. I said, what do you think about that? Which is pretty bold, but that's how I've been. I've learned in life that if you want something in life, you better go ask for it because they're probably not thinking about this at the time. And I see a perspective here that they could maybe use an HVAC guy and I want to be that HVAC guy. So I pitched it to him. He goes, this is what I was told. I was told that they went back and they talked about it. And Steve had mentioned to Bill, he's like, oh yeah. He's like, if Chris is in, we want Chris. So like, I didn't hear that till later on, but that was a good feeling that Steve was like, oh yeah. He's like, we want Chris on board. He felt a similar thing. He felt very similar from what I was told that he wanted me to come on board as an HVAC guy in the business. And he liked what I was doing with the HVAC grapevine. He was in there geeking out. He liked it and it got together. And here's a funny story, a bold move. Like we had talked about that and we did both went back to our lives. Like I mentioned it and then everything went back to normal. I went back to use, they went back to work, (laughs) you know, TC and things kind of played out for a little while. And we talked like briefly here and there, short moments. And I, I had made that decision where I was getting to the point I was stale. So I was like, okay, this has got to happen. <laughs> and so I took a bold move. And rather than sending in like a resume, I built a PowerPoint. <laughs> and it said, why you should acquire Chris Hughes on your company. <laughs> and it literally was like going through of like what I would do with the Energy Conservatory. It's like, if you brought me in, this is what I would do with this company. And this is what I would like to see as if I was like a CEO of this company. It was bold. And I remember working on it all Saturday one day, like just putting this PowerPoint together. And my wife's over here thinking, you're nuts. (laughs) She's like, are you really going to send that to him? I'm like, well, yeah. I'm like, it's bold, but it's different. And I think company owners are, because I've been there. When somebody hits you with something radical and that much passion, it makes you stop and go, okay, wow, we're in the day to day here. But like this dude really wants to be here. This isn't like, hey, here's a resume. It's like, hey, here's a guy who's got some 
he's going above and beyond. He's got passion. And that's, I think, what I was trying to show there with a little twist of comedy and storytelling inside of it, which I know, Bill, you could appreciate. Mm -hmm. So I sent that and they cold shouldered me for like 24 hours. And man, I was sweating it. I was like, wow, that went over. Not like I intended. (laughs) So 24, 48 hours later, I get a call from Bill finally. And I was like, okay. I'm like, what do you think? And he goes, interesting. And that, and it was like, just that one word. Yeah. It's like that interesting word where you're like, oh, not sure if that's good or bad. Didn't Spock on Star Trek used to say that too? Interesting. (laughs) Interesting. And basically, I didn't have anything to lose, right? I was in a good spot already. And so I just told Bill, I'm like, Bill, are we doing this or not? Because I'm ready to do this. Let's move forward. And I was basically pushing. Because if he was going to say, no, nah, we're not interested, I'm like, all right, good. I can close this door and I don't have to think about it anymore. So I pushed and they bit and here we are. <laughs> That's kind of how that fell out. When I walked in, although I was in, Steve wanted me in, Bill wanted me in, but they're very much a team. And they wanted to make sure that Gary Nelson liked me, that Colin liked me. And so I had to go in for like a one week interview, which was like big deal. I'm sitting here thinking, wow, like this is a whole different kind of getting in. Your in-laws probably didn't do that to you. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So probably about two weeks before I fly up to Minnesota, Bill sends me a list and he's like, hey, before you come up this day, I'd like to see a presentation on this. This day, I'd like to see a presentation on that. Then the third day, we're going to talk about this. And I was like, okay, wow, this man wants to see me strut. So I had about two weeks to cram together two presentations. One was going to be on a topic that he felt that I thought the team hadn't seen before, which I picked pneumatic controls because I didn't feel pneumatics was strong in their expertise over what they were doing. But they probably had the fundamentals where they could grasp it if you could lead them down the path. For sure. And so I thought that would might be a fun twist because that's like a legacy trade that not many people are doing anymore. And Hughes still did a lot of it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to build a presentation about how we use air as basically low voltage controls. So I built the presentation explaining that, which Gary Nelson, I think, really enjoyed. The presentation, and I could just see the whole time. He just had this big smile on his face. <laughs> you lighten up. Yeah, so I know I was lighting him up. I could tell Colin was intrigued. I could tell Bill was judging me really hard. Like, <laughs> I could tell Bill was like, how's he holding his character? How's he speaking to the audience? Like, he was like, is this guy good on stage? I could tell he was really vetting me out the whole time. I think Steve was just honestly in the science. Steve, all that went over Steve's head. Steve's like, hey, I got a question. When you say that's at 7 PSI, I'm like, this guy was not looking at me as like the new hire. This guy was like, I want to learn pneumatics. <laughs> Typical Steve. Everybody was there for something different. Yeah, everybody was there for something different. And one of them was business. Where would I try to take the company explaining that? And pretty much after that week, I felt I did a pretty good job and I was very confident. And I think that came from being in business with Hughes and all that, having to deal with customers, sell lots of jobs, very high ticket jobs. You get to a point where you just get, look, it's life. You just get comfortable in your own skin and you act yourself and you just do you. And it's either going to work out or it's not. And luckily it worked out. So when was that? When did you start in with them? Oh, I think we're coming up on a year now. That's what I thought too. Like summertime. Yeah. I think it was right before the summer. I think maybe around May of last year. 
Yeah, yeah. I think it was about then. So we talked beforehand a little bit, and you asked me, like, what are we going to talk about today? And by the way, I like that cup. Yeah, that's my frozen cup. That's your frozen cup. I see that. (laughs) (laughs) And when you have three little kids, there's a plethora of frozen memorabilia around your house. Oh, all kinds of things. You learn all about different kinds of culture, young culture. That's right. You came out of this revolving door of HVAC and mechanical work, and you've explained to me some fun jobs you worked on there. We might get into that later, but you got spit out into this world of more or less home performance with a company that's eager to build the HVAC profile with home performance products. So what was your take on tech before you joined? What were they in just a few sentences? Man, I hope I don't get fired over this one, but... (laughs) Now, what was their main focus in business that way? Well, I just looked at TEC and I was thinking, man, they looked like an underdog in the HVAC market. And I didn't know the building performance side. You're right. I hadn't met that world. I hadn't been exposed to the weatherization or raiders of the world, especially being in Louisiana. <laughs> There's not many. So I didn't realize they had this huge business model. I knew they had to be making money because I knew they had a pretty nice-sized business. They've existed for 40 years. Yeah. And so, but I'm looking at it through the eyes of an HVAC technician, and I'm like, well, it ain't an HVAC. Where's all this money coming from? I'm like, well, how are they doing so well? But I did look at them at the company as a whole as like an underdog story coming into HVAC. I'm sitting there, and at this time, IAQ's big, inverter technology's big, airflow's big, sensible heat ratio is big, and infiltration's being talked about everywhere. And I'm just sitting there looking at blower doors and the true flow coming out. And I'm looking at problematic homes in my area that I'm dealing with left and right. And I'm just looking at these two worlds going, who's putting this world together? And I'm like, somebody needs to put this world together. And I thought, why not me? <laughs> I honestly, Bill said that. I was like, why shouldn't I put these two sides of the storybook together? Because HVAC technicians, generally speaking, don't want to listen to engineers. There's a war there. And I'll say this, not to be rude, but they don't give a lot of respect to the home performance community. And I'm a little different as an HVAC tech. I get my knowledge anywhere I can. If you're good at home performance, I want to hear what you got to say. If you're an engineer, I want to hear what you got to say. So there was a part of me that was like, okay, I'm going to go heavily learn this building science side. I already know the HVAC side pretty well, but I need to know both to blend these worlds together. And so coming on board, I fast-tracked my way into building science. And I had a master (laughs) there to teach me a few of them, actually. I would say I've greatly learned building performance fast-tracked. More than so. I mean, I was already doing some of it. That's where leaf came into play. I was understanding why we were pressurizing buildings, measuring leakage. But now I'm getting down to the nitty gritty on our controls and what we can do and what's the exponent curve mean on a multi-point test. I mean, I'm really digging into the weeds because if I have the ear of the technicians, I got to be able to know the nitty gritty because here's how a technician is going to perceive that. Hey, I want to know this. Here's the question to this. What's the real answer to this one problem? And the minute you don't know that, they're like, ah, they lose respect for you. (laughs) I was that guy. You call tech support. Let's say you have a problem. I'm not going to name name brands, but let's say you call that name brand, you get tech support, and that guy isn't perfection on the phone. 
you're hanging up going, he doesn't know anything. Right. I'm wasting my time. <laughs> I'm wasting my time here. So was it a combination of lecture and lab? What was this fast track learning like? So here was my deal with Steve, and we've honored this deal, which is really fun. Every Friday, I get a one-on-one training with Steve about anything I want to bring up. And so initially, all the gear got sent to my house. I closed in my garage to make it my lab, basically. Is that where you are right now? Yeah. So I've created 500 square feet of interior space that I use for TEC. And they sent me everything we make. So I have everything here, some of it duplicates. And initially, I was making content, but at the same time, I'm doing research. So every day was just like discovery. Research, 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 set up the blower door, set up this, set up that. And then I would just put a list of questions down. And then I would ask Bill those questions. And then sometimes I would get really geeky and say, what if this and this and that? And Bill would might be like, man, he's like, I don't know if anybody's asked that yet. <laughs> so we'd go to Steve. There were some questions. He's like, oh, we could write a program that do that. So I was digging deep. And this kind of circles back to who I am as a person. I have a few products with TradeFox that hopefully one day take off, but I'm very entrepreneurial, like I'm creative. So I thought that would be really good. This job's a good fit for me because I get a lot of input inside of TEC. I mean, a ton of input. And I like that. And I like the fact that they like that. Yeah. You're bringing a different voice to the table. Yeah. And at first it was intimidating because I'm talking to Colin. And I'm talking to Steve and I'm talking to Bill. And these guys are just over the top smart with mathematics. And I'll give you an example. This is, I guess I could talk about this because it's pretty much about to be talked about heavily. We were having a conversation. We were talking about raters using the true flow, measuring pressure. And I brought it up. I said, hey, if they don't like drilling holes in ducks, why don't we just put a probe in the supply register? I said, if we're just doing a pressure correction, why do we have to be in the plenum? Like, why don't we just do it from the register grill and just make sure it's in there far enough? And we're having this meeting. And this is like the first time I kind of stepped up and was like, I'm going to throw my two cents in the hat. And all the big players were there. There's Colin in here. Jake's in there. Steve's in there. Bill's in there. And Colin's over there going, uh, Steve's like, I don't know. At first, Steve's like, I don't know about that. And then Colin steps up and goes, wait a minute. he's the physicist. He goes, wait a minute. He goes, Chris might be onto something here. He's like, I need to do a lot of math, but that may work. And so we're spitballing about this. And then all of a sudden I set off this rant between Steve and Colin. (laughs) He stood back. (laughs) Yeah. It was one of those step back and let the masters go at it. And they literally went on the dry erase board inside the conference center for probably 15 minutes, writing formulas, talking about square root equations and what the pressure would be like at the boot. And I'm talking, it went way over my head, but I was so enthralled. I was like, man, this is really awesome. (laughs) They're going at it, but I don't know what's going on. You lit the firecracker and stood back. (laughs) I lit the firecracker. And at the end of the day, it was like, okay, we have to go get empirical data. So they go back to me and they're like, hey, we need you to go to 20 houses and measure this with Colin wrote tech log where you can monitor the pressures, right? So I go on this 20 house hunt and I monitor pressures through all the grills to the house. 
So Colin can go build a program that will analyze the data for noise, accuracy, resolution, the whole nine. So we could set a pressure limit of what's allowed for a good correction factor out of the supply register. It's interesting because the manufacturer is not allowed to say, oh, yeah, it'll work. Go for it. No, you got to do everything. Well, unfortunately, some rarely do. (laughs) Yeah. But then you find out about it real quick. These guys don't. These guys will not make a move that isn't thought out heavily. And that's where I feel like, man, I made the right choice to come into the right place because they will not do anything that isn't pure. And I like that. Like that idea happened probably in June. And here we are maybe eight months later because we have all tons of other responsibilities we're doing. But the research gets done and it gets analyzed. It gets talked about. And if it's not pure enough, we go back for more data. We analyze it. But when we're done, the answer is the answer. And there's plenty of data to back it up. And it's a solid answer. And that part's really cool. Yeah, you can stand on it. So maybe without getting into too much detail, but I think there's actually some training going on at tech for train the trainer and HVAC training. So the public can actually come in and see the training lab that's there. Since that's sort of a public event, could you describe that? Not the research end, but just the training lab. What do they do to get this pre-empirical data, put it that way? Because empirical data would be in the homes, right? Yeah, I'm sure at any point in time, if anybody wanted to see what Steve calls the chamber of truth, which is our flow chamber, which everything goes back to the chamber of truth, gets measured, and that's the purity measurement. Interestingly enough, I would like to say like the true flow is like a flow chamber. (laughs) It kind of works very similar on the principles of pressure drop. And I would say it's pretty pure. So everybody has a chamber of truth or could get one for a very small minimal fee. There's my plug for the day. (laughs) Pretty cool. And that's a lot of the stuff I'm doing here. When I'm trying to make content now for the trade, basically I'll ask myself, what did I question myself about? For example, my next webinar is going to be about Different types of tapes you would go to the supply house and buy. I can see that over your shoulder in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, are you the guy who does Panduit straps with no mastic? Are you the guy who uses duct tape with no mastic? Are you the guy who mastics it all the way up and then puts a Panduit strap? How much leakage do you have from each connection by doing that? I've always asked myself. Yeah. Consequences of the decisions. Right. And is the juice worth the squeeze? And I was like, man, that would make some really interesting content, but I need a way to measure it. And if I would have came on the TEC last May and you gave me two months, there's no way I'd have been able to set this test up in my house. I wouldn't have understood how to make this measurement. But I've gotten to a point now where I set it all up yesterday and I called Steve for confirmation. (laughs) I was about to do video content and I told Steve, I said, hey, Steve, I've got a ring four at the duck blaster and I made a homemade ring four at the end with a Dixie plate. And I said, it's not perfectly pure, but it's, look, my razor skills are with this Dixie plate. It's pretty amazing. Right before the exit of air, I put a flow conditioner in, and then I take static pressure, and then I come out of the plate. I said, so I'm even trying to make sure the air comes through conditioned. That way I get a good pressure measurement. And Steve's like, yeah, all sounds right. He's like, that sounds good. He's like, but you're going to use the subtraction method for flow. He goes, and there's going to be some inaccuracy in that. He goes, but it depends on how much CFM leakage you have. He's like, more leakage is going to be closer accuracy in the measurement and very little leakage is going to make 
more inaccuracy in a measurement. <laughs> and then that's when I had to tell Steve, Steve, this is backyard ball, dude. This is duck leakage screening. This ain't ASHRAE handbook fundamentals here. This is, does it matter or does it not matter? And he's like, oh yeah, yeah. So back to the Dixie plate, uh, it's using those for bases in the backyard ball, right? Right. That's right. And so he's like, no, no. He goes, I get what you're saying. He's like, yeah, I think you'll be totally fine for that. He's like, yeah, definitely won't make an ASHRAE fundamentals handbook. I'm like, well, that's not what I'm going for. So I've been able to set up tests. And this goes back to the flow chamber. Like, it's pretty cool that you could buy a tool that's relatively inexpensive and perform these tests like a laboratory at your own home to prove out the science. And that's pretty cool. And I'm pretty happy at the point now that I can do that confidently. <laughs> I'm going to give you a couple of things that I'd like you to develop. Like, why does the true flow grid work so well? I'll give you a couple of points from my frame of thinking. This, if someone's not familiar with the product, it's called the Digital True Flow Grid. The predecessor was available for years, for decades, pretty much. A little cumbersome, today's technology, molding technology, incorporated a Bluetooth sensor, design and experimentation have really refined the basic concept. But to me, it's the simplest ways it's one and done. You put it in your measurement location and you get a reading from it. You don't have to do traverses. You don't have to worry about angles of attack. You don't have to worry about timed measurements, all these other processes in measuring system airflow requires so much human intervention that this just, it's a device that makes a great measurement by itself. Can you kind of expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I'll tell you this, Bill. The first class I built for TEC that I was going to go train on, we were trying to be very not pushy. We just wanted to educate. We feel that if we teach airflow, generally speaking, the trade gets better. And if we have the best product, we win. Right. If you set the table, people are going to come have dinner with you. That's right. So I'm setting the table. So the idea behind the class was 10 methods of airflow. And straightforward, there's a few of these I never used. <laughs> so Maybe never heard of. <laughs> right. And I'm like thinking, well, I don't use that. But now I have to know it. And I don't just have to know it a little bit. I have to know it inside and out. Because I have to teach this as if I'm like the predecessor to Steve Rogers. Or I'm trying to hold... I learned at TEC there's a bar. I went to the ASHRAE 62-2 committee meeting, and I noticed something. Man, TEC holds a lot of weight. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to damper that image at all. So for a while there, I was very nervous doing this job. And at this point, it took, I guess, about a year in, I have shooken that nervousness. Because I'm thinking, they didn't hire me to be another one of them. And go to ASHRAE and be that guy. No, they hired Chris, HVAC technician, 135 degree attic. I've been in the trenches. And that guy is who they need. And so I had to have like a come to Jesus meeting with myself and say, who am I going to be for this company? I say that because when I'm doing the 10 methods of flow class, I'm learning these methods. And I'm thinking to myself, man, nobody uses this method. <laughs> nobody's going to do this. And we're just trying to like develop content because my jobs now is like business development. And I'm like, all right, I'm trying to navigate all these angles of what content needs to go out to the world, how we're going to do it. I taught the like first class and it went over well. It was informational, 
But by the time I taught that class the third time, I knew exactly what I wanted those guys to hear. And I'll tell you, when I left that third class and I felt very confident, one, I was having a lot of fun and I was finally getting to the point. I'm like, man, I'm really enjoying this now because I knew my material and I knew it well. I had practiced it. I was going to people's homes and testing these methods out and actually putting them to use. So I understand the material that I'm putting in my PowerPoint. And I'm telling them, I'm like, we're going to talk about this one. It's in this little booklet I'm going to give you. You probably will never use it. So we're not going to spend a ton of time on it. (laughs) I'm like, but we got four other ones that we're going to talk about heavily. We're going to practice it. And then I would tell them, I said, you may not own a true flow and that's okay. I said, but manometers, utility manometers are cheap. I said, and tomorrow you should leave this class and you should go measure static pressure. And I'm not saying you got to go to the homeowner and say, here's your static pressure. And blah, blah, blah. No, just go measure it and think about it on your way to the next job. And then the next job, measure it again and look at the fan curve chart and think about it until you build yourself enough confidence to where you're like, okay, I get what's happening here. And that was the idea behind the class. It was to encourage people just to start measuring airflow. It's a gateway drug. It was a gateway drug. And then you'll get to a point, I think, where you realize a lot of systems out there are broken. And then you may not know what to do about it. And that's where the true flow is really cool. You start measuring pressure and you could get to a point where you're like, oh, yeah, this isn't awesome. We got problems here. But then you're like, well, where? Right? Is if my pressure's. 0.4 on the supply and 0.4 on the return and you're running 0.8. That's not an amazing installation in my opinion. But then where do you make your move? What's going to give you the most bang for your buck in that house? And that's where the true flow would tell you your best bet would probably be to attack in that situation, I would say the filter. It's going to give you those recommendations of where to make your moves. And no tool is kind of doing that. No tools telling you this is where you should focus your attention. Yeah, it's in a totally different class. I think the only one that comes close is the Measure Quick app, which is something different. It isn't a tool, but Digital TrueFlow has the advice, if you will, built in to the product app, which is which sets it apart. Yes. It's not just a series of numbers for numbers sake. I think Measure Quick and the TrueFlow combined which will be shortly, it will be combined. We are integrating. I think the email came out yesterday. Oh, did it? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Got to check your inbox, Chris. I know. The integration's happening. And I would think that before too long, manufacturers are going to start saying, I want a report because it's too easy not to get one now. You can go to Measure Quick, and I guess I'm going to solicit a few people I don't work for, but let's just be straight up. You can have a field piece probe set. You can have a testo probe set. You can use the Measure Quick app. You can have a true flow grid. If that's your tool bag, you could produce a report in a few minutes. And it's a really, really, really good report. Very robust. Yeah. Very robust. And you're going to know everything you ever wanted to know about that air conditioning system at that point. I mean, everything. Interestingly enough, That's where I started my new material, which is going to be in Train the Trainer, which is where this all started in this conversation. The Train the Trainer, which is going down next month. It's got a lot of psychometrics in it, which I thought, man, how interesting is what you can do with two psychometric probes. I'm starting to really get in my groove with building information and like how a technician would want to see slides. And so 
I could share a screen with you, but I'll try to paint the picture. I threw out a very, very simplistic sketch of a psychrometric chart, and I stripped it down to just the outline, and I just built it up after each slide. And I said, if I take these two probes and I measure wet bulb and dry bulb, if I measure wet bulb and I measure dry bulb, I can know so much. And then the coolest part I thought about all of this was getting to enthalpy. And then it's like, well, if I go to the supply and I take the same two measurements and I connect the dots, I can read enthalpy out, enthalpy in, enthalpy out, and I get an enthalpy exchange. And something I didn't do a lot in the trade was use a non-invasive testing. But after doing the research on using two probes, getting enthalpy exchange, seeing the non-invasive check, it is really interesting. And I don't know if I would gauge up again on any house unless it didn't pass the non-invasive AC check. I would say my wow moment has been, that's a big one for HVAC for me, is like proving to myself that a non-invasive check is probably just as pure as a refrigerant check, which is, it's a hard pill to swallow when you know, you're know you an HVAC guy and you go gauge up on everything because you feel like that's the purest way to get to what you want to know. So for those that aren't familiar, the non-invasive system test is something that Jim Bergman, I want to say really he developed it. I remember going back about six years where he was beginning to talk about this. It's part of MeasureQuick app, but it's also part of a ResNet standard for the grading of HVAC equipment. And that standard walks you through the steps in a standard format, which is a hard read, whereas MeasureQuick just does it when you connect the probes. So there's a couple of resources out there. I think if you also go to the MeasureQuick website, and you typed in non-invasive system test, they have a blog post on there and their support side, which will describe that. So anybody looking for that information, that's where you get it if you want to start to wrap your head around that. Yeah. And the role that the true flow is basically playing in that is we're measuring volumetric flow. So essentially, when you're going to get to capacity, you're got to have a CFM measurement. A good one. A good one. Yeah, exactly. And Jim has a pretty good way of figuring that out too, right? I'm not going to say he's not hitting a home run. He is. Yeah, the airflow estimate. But we're doing that volumetric flow. Here's what I've kind of learned. There's two ways to understand the quantity of the capacity of an air conditioning system. And it's either through a mass measurement or a volumetric measurement of quantity. Either have to know directly measure how much air is going through the system, and it's a volumetric measurement, or you're measuring how much mass of refrigerant is flowing down the copper line. Because we're talking about transfer of energy. Correct. And transfer of energy happens inside the volume or inside the mass of the fluid, which means liquid as well as air. Fluid describes both that's going on in the system. So this is like really digging way deep into the physics, the basic physics. But what you're explaining is the technology has really caught up to deliver you the physics into literally your palm of your app in a really easier way to digest. And you're going to continue to work on making that easier. That's my hope and plan. And to try to curve it into a way where it's technician friendly. I think this has all been done before, but it's never been built in a way where technicians could receive. Look, I made this claim before. I envy some engineers. I don't envy every engineer in the world, but 
a lot of the engineers I have been around, I do envy their knowledge. I've been around you, Bill. I envy your knowledge, your mechanical degree, Leafs, Steves, Bills. And I get not everybody has to go to college, but I think college can give you the foundation building blocks to understand a higher level of math. And I'm coming up the back way. And I'm not going to say life didn't give me the opportunity to go down that road because I could have picked it, but I let fear hold me back and the fear of money. I was so scared of college debt that I literally scared my way from going to college. So my road didn't take me there. I think you said you went to one class one day. Yeah. Is that what you <laughs> I decided to go to college. 30 minutes you decided? Yeah, I went into one class and I had made up my mind. I was like, you know what? I said, I am going to just go to college. I'm going to work and go to college. I was doing AC work and I was like, I'm just going to pay my way through it that way. I'll figure out. Yeah, through life, I was always trying to figure out how I'm going to pull this off getting into college. And I went to college for one day and I was still pretty young at this point. And so I probably wouldn't have done well because I just didn't have the ability to sit there and just take it and absorb it all in like I do now. Age has definitely done me well from a point of receiving knowledge. I sat in this guy's class and I could tell he was the engineering type and he was very monotone. <laughs> I sat in that class for like an hour and I said, nope, I can't do this. I'm like, I can't do this for the next five or six years. I said, there's just no way. And it's not that I didn't want to. When you're in your early 20s, you're sitting there and you're calculating, how much is this going to cost me? What's my life going to look like five or six years from now? How much debt am I going to be in? How am I going to get my first job once I get this degree? Like you're asking yourself a million questions. And what you're doing is you're trying to decide, is this a good direction for me to go in right now? Is the juice worth the squeeze? Am I ready for this road? And what you're doing is you're, sadly enough, you're looking at your life as like a 20-year plan and not like a one to three-year plan. So I scared myself out of following through because I was scared that my outcome wasn't going to be what it was going to be. I was young. It was going to be permanent. And also, I think as an adult learner, which you are now, you have so many questions from your experience that some of this education helps you answer retroactively, like it did with your dad. And I saw the same thing happen with Jim Bergman's dad, may his soul rest in peace. But he encountered the same thing when he got introduced to home performance. It like blew his mind. He said, all those decades of work that I did, oh, I never knew that. And it was just like it would rattle around in his head so much. This is what I would say to follow up and close like on that particular topic is I don't care what next year holds anymore. I really don't. I care about today and now. And I don't care where my next paycheck comes from. I have no fear factor in that no more. And that comes from knowledge, right? You reach a point in your life where you know you're smart enough to make good money anywhere in the world. You could put me in another country and say survive. And I'd be like, okay. And I would probably go pick up tools and become an HVAC tech in that area because I know I can. And once you get to that point, you stop worrying about money, which is a really fun place to be because you can stop worrying about your next paycheck. I'm honestly told. Like Bill and Steve, I said, look, if I'm ever a bummer, a drown on this company, just let me go. I was like, don't even like hold back. If I'm not doing justice here, get rid of me. <laughs> I was like, I'll find my way. Don't worry about me. Set me free. Yeah. Just say, Chris, you're not cutting it. You got to go. And I'll be like, okay. I will honestly look at you and say, thank you for my time here because it was amazing. 
I was like, I'll never be bitter over it. I think that's a good place to end because I usually don't go this long, but that's okay. You've got a lot to tell. So I'm going to invite you back after a little period of time where you get some new great ideas and you got some new research going on. Maybe after these train the trainer sessions, some things, some observations from that. It's probably going to influence the way you train once you've been through those sessions with other people giving you real-time feedback. So I want to thank you so much for coming on sharing your story, Chris. The objective in this is, which I mentioned to you when I saw you and threw this idea at you, was to talk about where your motivations came from to make this pretty significant life change for yourself and career change and to encourage other people to look at things differently. So thank you, Chris. Yeah, no problem, Bill. I enjoyed it. My last tidbit to everybody is, even though money's good, if you're unhappy, make your change. Don't sit there because of the money. You're missing out on what life could be wanting, what you should be doing in life. Fulfillment. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Building HVAC Science Podcast, where it's our goal to help create better, more knowledgeable HVAC and building performance technicians by helping the two professions to better understand each other with the ultimate goal of making customers happy in the homes they live in and the buildings they work in. I think Chris Hughes is on that mission. If you like what you heard today or have not subscribed to the podcast, please consider doing so by typing building HVAC science into the search bar of your favorite browser or any of the typical podcast services. If you're interested in getting in touch with me, you can drop me an email at bill at truetechtools.com. The Building HVAC Science Podcast is a production of True Tech Tools Limited. Have a great day. Until next time, we come back at you at the Building HVAC Science Podcast. Thank you.